0: Hi, I'm Allison Hayes. I am the Outreach Vice President and Research Ambassador for the Office of Undergraduate Research. And I am here with Dr. Michael McCain in the Biology Department. Um, Dr. McCain, will you tell us a little about your research?
1: Yeah, so um, just to kind of preface this, um, I am an assistant professor in um, biological sciences. I'm also the curator of the herbarium, which means I run a plant museum. And then I am also the departmental liaison for the um, University of Alabama Arboretum. So the idea with that is to help link um, professors, students, other members of the biology department with the Arboretum for the opportunity for outreach, educational purposes, and even research that goes on out there. my general research plan uh, has evolved a lot over time, and so, which is a perfect thing because I'm an evolutionary biologist. I study how plants and uh, specifically plants and their genomes change over time. Uh, my interests are mostly within the realm of monocot species. So things like corn, um, asparagus, lilies, you know, fun plants like that. Most of my research in the past has been on agaves and yuccas, so these things that are desert-based. Then uh, we've since moved as a postdoc into working on grasses. I used to make a joke about how, um, basically, I studied the best part of any meal that you might go to get you know, at a Mexican restaurant: the margarita and the tortilla chips. So. And I've continued to do that now. Uh, our, I'm really interested in the way that genomes change over time, specifically polypoid genomes. So when you're polypoid, you have more than two copies of your genome. So like you and I are diploids. So we have one copy from mom, one copy from dad. But many plants are polypoid, meaning they get extra copies. And what we're interested in is how do these different copies reconcile with each other? And so you can imagine if you have, your genes are supposed to work in concert with each other. They're supposed to do turn on at the right time. They're supposed to be functioning at the right time. And what we call dosage matters a lot. So how much of each gene gets turned on. So now you've got extra copies. So you would have extra of everything. And it can cause problems. So how do plants deal with that is of a lot of interest. And our understanding of that I can equate to better plants in the field. So you can get more food out of smaller areas to even cancer research. Because a lot of cancer um, cells are actually polypoid. So, uh, understanding how like, cancer works in your body, understanding polypoint genomics is a part of that. So, that's kind of the basis of what we do.
0: How did you get your start in research here at UA? At,
1: at UA or like in my life? Because?
0: Uh, both.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, I can tell you my story, which uh, so I grew up in a small town in Indiana called Seymour, uh, famous for John Mellencamp and Miss America 2009 or something like that I think Uh, but I knew from an early age that I want I was really interested in zoology I was really interested in um, animals and for a while there I wanted to be a physician I wanted to be a minister at some point Uh, I kept coming back to the idea of doing something in the sciences I really enjoyed my science courses as a high schooler I took what AP we had offered read a lot did some summer programs when I could. But I chose to go to the school I did for two reasons. I went to a school called Wabash College. It's a liberal arts school and it's an all-male school. So it's one of like two, I think, left in the nation. Um, But I chose that school because one, they gave me money and I didn't have it, I didn't have money. And so money was like a, a major factor for going to school. And then the other reason was I had the opportunity to actually do research my first semester as a freshman which is really rare. Uh, But I I started working in Shitty Shiver lab doing community ecology work and bacteria. So I would go out to creeks and I would collect rocks and I would scrape the rocks, the biofilm off the rocks. And basically what we were looking for was antibiotic resistance getting out of uh, the local populations of uh, farms, like bacteria that live in, 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 uh, it's kind of gross. Basically what happens in the, we have a pig farms, and pig farms have what are called lagoons. And then those lagoons are just where they throw all the pig poop, right? And so sometimes if it rains a lot, those pig poop lagoons will overflow and they flow into the creeks. So what we did is we looked below and above the creek um, pig lagoon overflow to look to see if antibiotic resistance that would develop in pigs, because they're given antibiotics as part of their um, diet, if that resistance was being transferred to the like natural community of bacteria because bacteria like to trade and and, and give away dna so i did that uh i didn't like walk through poop or anything it was always none that i could see i um, i really enjoyed working in her lab eventually she left wabash college and i was i was lost for a while i was trying to figure out what i wanted to do i actually started out as a biochem double major and i quit both my Freshman year, as like I just was like making A's in the courses, and I just dropped them because I was like, I don't know what I want to do it myself. And I started taking poli sci and econ classes. And I signed up to take Russian and other things, and and then I had a conversation with a friend over the summer, and he was like, "Oh, we're still use a scientist." I'm like, "You know, I did too." And I started thinking about it, and I basically went back on track eventually and, and and you know I struggled here and there and I had to like take four labs in a semester and all and then worked I also worked full time a lot and because I needed money and so so college was an experience but uh, eventually a, a professor by the name of Amanda Ingram started and I became her advisee just by chance and she studied at Cornell University and she was a plant biologist and I and I really enjoyed talking with her and I, you know I, I ended up being really influenced by her. I took her the only plant class we had offered as an undergraduate and I took I started working in her lab and did a project as a senior that eventually became published and I remember trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I had taken an evolutionary evolutionary biology class and I was really interested in um, evolution in general. I was like, this stuff is really cool. How we have organisms change over time. I became really interested in viral evolution. I wrote a paper on like the uh, evolution of um, SIV to HIV and just how that kind of works. And so, but then I took this plant class. I was like, oh man, plants are amazing. And I do really cool stuff with like hybridization and polypoidy, though when I was a uh, undergraduate, I said, I will never work on polypointing your grasses. And it's exactly what I work on now. So remember <laughs> that too. Um, so I, I, I took this, I did this summer job for this company. And basically what I did was I would go, I would drive m- multiple hours to pick up baby chicks. Like these were born that day, male chicks that were going to be killed. They, they would just throw them into like bins and suffocate them and so we bought the males and we took them took them back you know multiple hours in a van and we infected them with avian myeloblastosis virus and so this virus would base i always tell people it basically causes kind of like chicken leukemia is the best way i might describe it that might not be the best best description but uh, it's an rna virus and the goal there was to let it replicate in their system to drain their blood, to isolate the virus, the, the virion particles out, and then to pull reverse transcriptase out of that, which was then sold for like pharmaceuticals and things like that for companies. So reverse transcriptase is the enzyme that causes, allows you to convert RNA to DNA. And it becomes really important for a lot of different processes sparing you the gruesome details i basically killed thousands and thousands of chicks over the summer and it was really hard on me like it it affected me in a lot of ways i was never that kind of person i was not i mean i have no problem with hunting i was never a hunter fished when i was younger but i just kind of i became a vegetarian for a while after that chicken still tastes bad to me a lot i just think yeah so there's certain aspects of like how it changed me. I'm, I'm not a vegetarian now, but I periodically dabble. Uh, but but what that told me, though, is that I didn't want to work with animals. I didn't I didn't want to like have animals being a big part of my reason, like what I want to do in my future, because I, I didn't want to have to kill them. Um, that just wasn't it wasn't in me. It affected me too much. And, and so from to me at the time, that meant that I wasn't going to work in viruses, basically. Um, so I started applying to grad school for uh, plant biology. And I applied to four and got interviews at all four. I got into two of them um, for various reasons, I'm sure. Uh, I remember when I visited, so I actually went to the University of Georgia to get my PhD in the plant biology department under Jim Liebensmack. I was one of two of his first PhD students. And I remember visiting and I was driving, I was like riding back in the shuttle to the airport. And I told my I called my wife on the phone because. I got married in college, like I've been was married as a senior, so I've been married for a long time. But uh, I told my wife and I told her, I'm like, oh, I really love it here. I'm like, I, I think this is the place I'm, well, we need to come visit together so you can see it. And so uh, that's where I ended up going. So I was in Athens for four, five and a half years to get my PhD. And um, at that time, I, I when I started, I, I all I knew was like, I like plants, I like evolutionary biology, I like the idea of hybridization as a mechanism for speciation. So I had my, my advisor was really good at letting me just kind of explore things. He, he really let me kind of figure it out for myself. And I had all these tangents. And I tried all these different things and didn't do many of them. Um, but eventually what I got to was like, I'm really interested in the genus agave. So agave, and I want to travel around Mexico collecting them and, and to look at hybridization and speciation and stuff like that. So then my wife got pregnant and I and then like there was a lot of stuff in the news about drug cartels and things like that going on and I so I was like I don't want to travel to Mexico to the random mountains and random places and be in the desert by my well, not well necessarily by myself but sometimes maybe by myself probably with you know guides and stuff but and leave my wife at home who's pregnant or with our young child. So what happened is I altered my path. I decided that this was at the beginning of what well, the time we called next generation sequencing. So there was this thing called 454. Now it's Illumina, there's Illumina, at the time we called it Selexa, but Illumina sequencing, which is like just undergrads in my lab do this stuff now, right? So but this was like the hot new thing when I was uh young when I was in grad school and so but what it required was like big data and processing so learning how to program computers and things like that i like to write programs and software and i was totally a luddite in college i was like for whatever i was under the misconception that as a biologist i didn't really need to learn about computer stuff which was really stupid and i wish somebody was lacked some sense into me at the time but so i started to learn how to program and and honestly that was probably the best thing i've ever done for my career um I fully believe that the success I've had and where I'm at today is because of those skill sets and learning how to do that. So, you know, um, major influences in my life have been this professor in college, Amanda Ingram, Dr. Amanda Ingram, who brought me to plants, Uh, and then my wife and daughter. You know, wanting to be there for them and having to change what I wanted to do and become a person who could collect a lot of data and then analyze it and then ask questions. So so I got really into um, doing that and being an early adopter and an early process learner, a person who could process and started writing code and things like that. And then writing programs that people could actually use to, to do this themselves. And and so from there, my research evolved into understanding, um, I got into polypoidy and like asking this question, of, when do polypoid events occur? Because one of the, uh, we, we weren't sure. And so started to write code and look at lots of gene trees and stuff like that and then to find that out. And that's really kind of spurred a lot of my research going forward until uh, when I graduated, I had three kind of paths ahead of me. I, I'm trying to pick a postdoc. So after you get your PhD, you if you want to go and be a faculty member, you do. Um, a post stock, which is basically like an apprenticeship thing. So it was either go work on polypoid grasses, go work on yucca moths. So I've been went, and went, and went into insects or go do this like epidemiology thing that I was looking at. Decided on plants, went and worked with a world renowned plant biologist named Dr. Toby Kellogg. And she's absolutely amazing. Uh, we ended up at the Donald Danforth Science Center, which is a nonprofit research center, and that was a really unique experience for me to be able to understand to see um, non-academic setting. It's an academic setting, but it's a non-like university setting. So there's uh, a lot of like businesses and startups that come out of that place, and so to see the industry side of things was really informative and to really understand that there has to be uh, sometimes there needs to be a, a strong connection between business and science so that we can move forward with a lot of stuff, and then. Ultimately, took a bunch of applied for a bunch of jobs got a few interviews interviewed Alabama really enjoyed it really really liked the faculty here it was like it was really the faculty of the department that brought me here um, that and I thought my parent my family would be happy here so we, we came and visited and my wife and daughter enjoyed it and so you know that was uh, that's how I got here um, and kind of the path I took to get to Plants, and then the path I took to get to informatics and, and research, and, and, and doing bioinformatics, and then polyploidy. So, um, yeah, long story. Right. So.
0: <laughs> well, um, what piece of research are you most proud of, and do you have any recommendations to new students or people just dipping their toes in the pool of research?
1: Yeah, um, I don't know if I if how if I'm like, super, I mean, I'm happy with a lot of my research. I mean, pride in me are weird things. But I will say I have certain pieces of research that I think are really cool Um, stuff that we're working on now. So one of those things is we've uh, started as a postdoc and one of my graduate students now is working on is understanding the evolutionary history of maize, so corn, so corn is an ancient polyploid, something that happened eight to 10 million years ago, probably. And we found that there is a group of plants in Africa, a group of grasses that are more closely related to one of those subgenomes, so one half of the the genome of maize than the other. And 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 then they are related to each other. So basically, that allows us to split that genome out, and understand how the maize genome has changed and interact at those subgenomes genomes are with each other over time. And from an evolutionary perspective, and to me, that's really, really amazing. Uh, there's some other work that we're doing. Uh, there's uh, we work in this plant called Stankhysma hyans. So it's a C3 C4 intermediate species. So uh, C4 is a more efficient form of photosynthesis. Basically, if we could turn rice C4, we could get more rice per acre, so we can feed more people, right? That's kind of like a, an ideal goal there. So this plant's like in between the two types, and so it's like evolving into C4, which is a pretty cool thing. And and so I had this idea that, oh, I bet if we went and looked at different populations, some of those populations might be more along the line, you know, farther along in this evolutionary path than others. And it looks like that might be true. So we might have found a population in Louisiana that is farther along, and it's, it's, it's just really cool. Like it's, um, it's some work that's in progress, and And, and, you know, we're sequencing some genomes and looking at transcriptomes. So like the genes that get turned on and I'm really pumped about that. And so those are kind of the, the, uh, project that got me really excited in the lab. And there's a lot going on. I have a lot of great students who do a lot of different things. Um, I have one student who, he works on the evolution of pollination syndrome. So like how hummingbirds and hawk moths, like how plants change to, to prefer those. I think that's really cool. And we have a funded project to look at the evolution of, um, johnson grass so how this invasive species has changed as it's invaded the united states and you know what I, I actually that's one of the things i'm probably the most proud of actually is is this idea of um that project coming together to be a, a combination of genetics and genomics level sequencing like sequencing whole genomes of individuals that are alive today and then looking at how their genomes have changed but then also using Uh, the herbarium. So these museum specimens where we can pull samples off, we can isolate DNA, and we can look at how their genomes have changed over time. So we can look at like a a plant from the 1800s sequence portions of its genome and say, what did it look like? And then how has that changed if we compare that to lots of other individuals? And, and, you know, that's been something I've been doing since uh, pushing kind of since a postdoc. And and to me, this idea of pulling history uh, and genomics together is super exciting. When it comes to students, my biggest advice is two things. One read, read a lot and like, read papers, read, you know, community science communication articles, you know, find something you're interested in. And do a deep dive into it don't don't like just skim it we skim all the time that's all we ever do is we skim 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 you know we have all have short attention spans and you know their buzzfeed lists of 10 things or whatever but spend some time like deep diving into something and just really get to know the topics and see if there's a professor on campus who may be tangentially related to it or maybe it's some of their work and go and email them you know, uh, people we we professors like to talk to students. We really do, and we like to talk about ourselves and our research. And we'd like to be, when people are interested in us, we're humans, right? Like so, I would do that, and and be like, you know, I read their paper. You know, I I read this. I got some of it, and I didn't get all of it. Would you mind telling me about it? Chances are they're going to say, oh yeah, I'm totally. I you know, talked to you about that. No problem. You know, and. And, you know, take a chance on that. And, and, and you know, if you're, you think you're a little more interested in research and get in the lab and, and, and talk to someone and, and do it for the right reasons, too. Like, you know, a lot of people do research to kind of bump up their CVs and stuff like that. We need to understand this. Professors understand this. And it's fine. And, you know, lots of students are really great who do that. But if you're thinking that you want to do research just to do research and you're really cool, interested in it for that purposes, be out there and let them know. Um, you know, both types of researchers are great. Um, you know, I have had wonderful students who did it for a line on their CD and ended up actually really liking it and really liking plants. plans. And that's, I guess, I guess I have three things. The other thing is don't, if you're going to do research, and if you're doing it because you want to go to med school or if you're doing it because you want to go to grad school, don't think you have to only do research in the thing that you're actually like only interested in. Like if you want to be a physician, you don't have to just do medical related research. Any type of research is research, right? You're learning how to be a scientist, you're learning how to think like a researcher, that's the goal of doing research. Um, you know, I get the benefit of having someone who can generate some data, you get the benefit of when you have to think like a scientist. And that's what people are looking for when they want people with experience. And that's the, and that's the experience that you're going to look back and think, Oh, wow, that was actually pretty cool. Um, I've had a lot of students tell me, I, they go on to do the next step. And they, they email me and they're like, this was so much easier because I was in your lab and I understood how these things work. Or they took a class and they're like, actually see it applied in person. And they, they, things start to click. You know, so you can think of it as a learning experience. You can think of it as CV bump. You can think of it as finding your true path. Or you can think of it as a way to earn some extra, some credit for the semester. But you know, I think everyone should just give it a go if you're even remotely interested because, and just ask, this talk to to talk, to, talk to a professor or talk to a TA even. If you have a graduate student TA, talk to them. That's actually another good path to get to a professor. But, yeah, that's what I would say.
0: All right. Um, Dr. McCain, do you have a website or any place where students who think your research is super cool can go and learn more about it?
1: Um, yeah, so I've got some, you know, departmental, like my just self thing. Um, there's this, I actually don't know what the website thing is. I did one for the faculty, whatever, I forget what it's called, but, uh, I have like a Spark website that shows some uh, information. remember I mentioned that I used to be a Luddite, I'm still a little bit of a Luddite, like, um, for whatever reason, making websites is like something I just can't stand to do. But. Uh, I would look at the department website for, for that. You can also email me. I'm happy to show you some stuff. Um, we have some YouTube videos. Actually, um, I have an account of under my, my own name, and you can watch YouTube videos for the lab and stuff like that, too. And those might be the best, one of the best ways of doing it. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Again, I- a <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining me today for this podcast. And... To the listeners, Um, have a great day.